Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., or 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. I pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. May God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, I turned 30 this past April. Last month, my second child was born. Like the man in our gospel lesson, lately I have been thinking about the future. More specifically, I've been thinking about the future as it relates to money. Even more specifically, I've been thinking about the future as it relates to saving money. So like this man in our gospel lesson, I have said to my soul, soul, you need to plan for yours and your family's future. So I've begun to think about the R word, retirement. Now cue the laughs, snickers, and maybe even a few jeers from those who are already retired and much wiser than I. Should have been at the 730 service. <laughs> but the consultant at the church pension group assured me there is no such thing as early when it comes to planning for retirement. Along those same lines, I've been thinking how much I should be putting into college funds each month. How much life insurance should I procure at this stage in my life? And what mixture of stocks and bonds I should invest in to have a more diversified and sustainable portfolio? Furthermore, what can I do to increase the value of our home? To top it all off, someone told me the other day, forget college, man. You need to start saving for your daughter's wedding now. <laughs> There is the instability of the economy, the volatility of the stock market, and the uncertainty of the housing market. Then there is the ever-rising cost of tuition, yay. When all of this tugs at me, when all of this tugs at us, no matter how old we are, the good fortune of this man we read about demands our full attention. I can't help but want to congratulate him on his bumper crop and his future plans. He has it all, and that seems nice to me. He also seems wise. He isn't hasty in his decision-making. He takes his time and carefully maps out what he should do with his fortune. We hear many stories of lottery winners who spend their newfound wealth within a couple of years and are left perhaps even poorer than they were before they won anything. We hear of athletes who have made millions left with nothing because of careless spending and bad business deals. 
We have heard from an early age the story of the prodigal son throwing away his inheritance on lavish indulgences. This man is to be commended on his provident planning. There is nothing wrong with foresight. There is nothing wrong with saving for the future. There is nothing wrong with ensuring security for ourselves and for those we love. Furthermore, it would be irresponsible for him to let this abundance go to waste. It would be a shame for there to be nowhere to store this man's good fortune. His surplus causes a dilemma. His overabundance demands his action. In our society of consumerism, we see no other option. He has no other choice. He must, he must tear down his barns and build them bigger. To any financial advisor, he seems prudent. To any frugal person, he seems wise. To any farmer who knows the failure of crops, he seems lucky. To God, he is a fool. Most often we think of greed as never having enough. We think of greed as an insatiable desire to procure more and more for ourselves. Enough is never enough. Enough is boundless and limitless. Enough does not exist. Enough is, to use a phrase from our Old Testament reading, chasing after wind. With greed, enough can never be caught. In St. Basil the Great's treatise on social justice, he constructs a twist on greed in our gospel lesson this morning. With this twist comes a notion that having enough and having more than enough can be achieved by those who are greedy. It is possible for the greedy to be satisfied and more than satisfied. St. Basil asserts that the greedy can recognize not only that they have enough, but that they have more than enough, that they have an overabundance, that they have more than they need. This is a different take on greed. This is a greed that says, okay, not only do I have enough, but it is too much. So what should I do with the excess? What should I do with the extra that I accumulated? This is the man's problem in our gospel lesson today. He knows he has extra. He knows he has more than enough. He is more than satisfied. So what should he do with the excess? What should he do with the extra that he accumulated? His greed comes from turning inward for his answer. As we see in our gospel lesson, and as St. Basil points out in his treatise, he agonizes over this question. Like a greedy person who agonizes because they can never have enough, this man agonizes because he has too much, and he knows not what to do with it all. We see the painstaking deliberating going on with himself as he questions what to do with it. As I said before, he did not arrive at his decision quickly or easily, but as wealth tends so often to do to us, his dilemma ate at him. It consumed him. It consumed his very being. The wealth he had just received caused great anxiety. And as we read again from our Old Testament lesson, even at night, his mind did not rest. 
How simple would it have been for him to fling wide the doors of his barn to those who needed bread? How much easier would his dilemma have been for him to fling wide the doors of his heart and feed those who are hungry? What if? What if he had agonized over the question of whether or not there were enough hungry people to help him consume the extra instead of agonizing over whether or not his barns were big enough to store the extra. Quote St. Basil, We are ministers of God's goodness and stewards of our fellow servants. It is by virtue of our baptism that we are called to be such. Let me say it again. We are ministers of God's goodness and stewards of our fellow servants. When the water ran down our brow at baptism, just as soon as it will run down swains, we were called to seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving our neighbor as ourself. We were called to strive for justice among all people and to respect the dignity of every, every human being. These same baptismal vows call us to a new life today in this moment. A new life today in which greed is cast away and the extra we have given, uh, the extra we have been given is given away. A new life today in which we don't tear down what we already have, but we give thanks for it while recognizing the need to build bigger so that more people can be fed. A new life today in which enough does exist for everyone and hunger does not we are called to a new life today in which we continuously strive and work toward that glorious day when we are able to say to our soul, soul, relax, eat, drink, and be merry, for all have been fed. Amen. Amen.